0: Talk 1110 ninety nine three WBT. Previous hour, I was discussing Vice President Kamala Harris's comments about the uh, about the uh, the Build Back Better Act that she was in Charlotte yesterday touting, and she was talking about the sandwich generation. This was the generation that ate a lot of sandwiches, and no, it's this is the thing that gets me too. Like the sandwich generation. Like, who is she actually talking about? What generation is this? Like a whole cohort of people born around the same time that are taking care of their elderly parents and their infants, their children, their babies. Who's this generation? Who would that be? Is that Gen X? Are they trying to rebrand Gen X? I won't have it. I'm Gen X. I will not stand for that. Now, I understand why millennials may want to rebrand themselves because, you know, millennials. I mean, there's just a lot of baggage that comes with the millennial handle. Gen Z as well. What are the kids now called? Do we have a name for them? Is there a name for that? uh, Played crybabies. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But um, (laughs) kind of not really. Uh, You've got this generational cohort that she sees out there. And I'm guessing because like I'm 47 and I'm at an age where my parents would be, you know, older and in need of elder care. Uh, kids, we don't have any kids, but had we had children, then they would, well, I don't know. They'd probably be 20 years old. So yeah, they would probably still be, you know, living at home. That's what they do. I hear, um, I don't know who she's talking about, this entire generation. I kind of, hear me out. I'm just spitballing here. I think she might not know what she's talking about. I think she may just be reading a speech. I know it, actually, because there's a teleprompter, and when you listen to the, her delivery on some of these lines, she breaks for the pause in between two words that she shouldn't be, be pausing between. It it, 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 it it sounds stilted. So, um. It just sounds bad, and I could tell, and I know I'm nitpicking on uh, on that sort of stuff, but uh, that's what I do here. Oh, I forgot Pete Buttigieg. He had this fantastic story that he told about Kamala Harris's expert leadership in getting stuff done. I had no idea that she she was able to move leaders as she does. Did you? I did not. I thought, seriously, like, I thought, like, here's a woman who couldn't even carry her own state when running for president. She's just a terrible leader, but I was mistaken. Apparently, she's a fantastic leader. Um, and Pete Booty is like going to let us know with this story. So take a listen to the details here. It's my
1: honor to be here today with somebody who did so much to make this infrastructure law possible. Okay. And that's vice president Harris. She did so much. The vice president traveled this country, speaking to people about what an investment in jobs and infrastructure could mean for their communities. She spent countless hours helping the president negotiate with members of Congress. She worked to make sure that clean school buses, clean water, And environmental justice were included, all of which are issues that she championed in the Senate as well. I remember one meeting in particular early in the negotiations as the president was gathering people from both sides of the aisle in the Oval Office to discuss where the space for a deal might be.
0: Okay, so get this. He's gathering people into the Oval Office from both political parties, both sides of the aisle, trying to figure out where the space for compromise might be.
1: There was a lot of listening. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the members had a lot to say. Mm-hmm. I was trying to offer some technical input and data from our department. Of course. And in that conversation, at just the right moment, oh, at, the vice president spoke. At just the right moment. And her message was about the need to think big. Not to get lost in the details or the politics, but to remember the unique nature of the opportunity in front of us. And she was exactly right. And it helped shape the conversation. It, oh,
0: my God. I feel like I'm sitting through, like, a corporate presentation. It's one of the things, it's a great description that was offered. Do you remember during the 2016 uh, Republican National Convention when Trump got the uh, nomination, right? Do you remember there was a guy that, it was like a CEO of some company, whatever, and he knew Trump from beforehand when they were both like real estate guys. And do you remember this guy? He got like a a primetime slot and he's up there just like telling the story of some old lady with a piano that lived in a... In one of the condos, in one of the buildings that he was selling to Trump. Do you remember that story? No, of course not. Nobody remembers that story or that guy because he's like every other one of these like corporate leaders that boss guys. They come in, they tell these, these rambling stories and you're like, do I have to still sit here for this? But this is the thing. They're surrounded by people who will never walk out of their story. And so they think that their stories are captivating, and they're just not, <laughs> and so they go on and on and on telling talking about stuff that they care about, obviously, and they think is they're making a fantastic point, but they're not and that's what booty uh, booty gig is doing here he's like, what are you telling me they're, they're having a debate, they're having this discussion. Yeah, uh, and the both sides of the aisles are, uh, you know, Republicans and Democrats. They're in the Oval Office, and like, where can we compromise here? And what does she do? She she speaks at just the right moment and says, "Don't pay attention to the details. Think of the big picture." And by golly, that's what we needed to hear at that precise moment. And it got done. Like that is a stupid story. That's a stupid story, Pete. That's a stupid story. Stop telling it. It's a, It doesn't even make her look good. It doesn't. Because you literally are saying that the vice president said, pay no attention to the details of the bill we're trying to cram down your throat. Pay no attention to the details. That's his big payoff here. That's the big story. That's the story he chooses to tell to show that she gets stuff done. (laughs) It's just nuts. It's just nuts. All right, let me go over here. Dexter, welcome to the program. What's going on?
2: Yeah, you're talking about generations, and uh, the only thing I could think of this generation coming up would be the fluid generation. They can be male, female, a unicorn, a rock,
0: you That's know, a cactus true.
2: plant, whatever they want to be.
0: That's true. Generation fluid. Yeah. Generation yeah, generation fluid or generation F. I yeah, guess they
2: you. could just you know they, they they could be baby boomers if they wanted to be.
0: <laughs> That's true. They could identify as boomers. Why not? I like yeah. it. Generation Fluid. I like it, Dexter. Thank you. I appreciate the call, man. Have a great weekend. Yep, you do. All right. I right. um, uh, loved your uh, HBO series, too, by the way. Um, Vincent. Right? Yeah, Vincent, welcome to the program. How are you?
3: I'm doing good. I'm just having a, a nice uh, glass of wine after an espresso. Kind of your modern-day speedball. <laughs> what? Hey, but anyway, uh, you know I went to the gym yesterday, the YMCA, and actually had to shut the swimming pool down because they can't find lifeguards because uh nobody wants to work. Mm. And I attribute this to the phenomena, actually it's it's actually global. In China they have a term called laying flat. Right. And when one lays flat, they basically staying in a holding position financially. They don't want to achieve. They don't want to put money up for a rainy day. Uh, their future is bleak. They know the government's ripping them off with the with the real negative real interest rates. They know Social Security is back bankrupt. They're not going to have any money in forty years. So they figure, I'm just going to get by with the minimum, and you know, with my
0: joystick. It robs. So well, it, it robs the um it it robs you of initiative and gumption right it, it's right. sort of the same so it's sort of the same deal that happens this is one of my biggest beefs for example with the um, the pay structure for teachers, which is uh, I want to pay great teachers a lot more money than they make right now but I refuse to pay the bad ones the same amount of money because what happens there then is that the bad ones they look and say, well I can keep being bad and I'll uh and I'll make the same amount uh, of money. But the good ones will see the same thing, and at some point they get demotivated, and now they're going to start, they're going to start slacking off, and they're going to start uh, mirroring the behavior of the bad ones, and then everyone is worse off. And so that's why I'm I am pro star system. I am pro merit based pay. I appreciate the call, Vincent. No, it's an interesting thing. The laying flat, um, uh, uh, I don't know what you would call it over there. It's not a syndrome, but it's phenomena. That's what they do call it. He's exactly right. Because I I, I covered this a couple of weeks ago with the uh, the, uh, anti-work, they call it. Yeah. Or as I used to call it, laziness.
2: I can't tell you the number of families and individuals I have met with around our country who are in what we call the sandwich generation. Individuals who are raising their young children while they are also giving care to their elder relatives. And what that means in terms of how they must divide up the responsibilities of their day, requiring two different sets of skills, probably with the exception of food preparation, oh two sets God. of skills that are required so to balance those obligations.
0: I, you could tell, like, like, she sounds almost horrified. Oh, my God, they're taking care of children and an older family member? This is unacceptable. <laughs> got a tweet here from Justin. He says, Pete, if your goal is to replace family with community and state, then this is exactly what you would expect. They do not value family over self. It does kind of feel like that, right? Yeah. Also, I got a, uh, an email from um, Dwight who says sandwich demographic would make more sense than the sandwich generation. Yeah, I agree. But apparently whoever wrote the speech and put it on that teleprompter, they did not uh, realize that. Yeah, it's not a generation. It's not a generation. As I said earlier, human beings have existed this way and have cared for their elderly and their young uh, for literally the beginning of humankind. Like that has been the norm all over the world for the entire human race, for most, if not all, it still is the norm around the world. So, like, that's how detached she is from this experience. That she meets people and she's like, you're caring for a child and an adult? Oh, my God. The horror. Um, What else here? There was the, oh, that's right. The Build Back Better She at one point says that it's not going to cost any money. I'm not going to even play the soundbite because it's just, it's absurd. And it's a lie. Oh, I'm sure the fact checkers are going to get right on that. Um, The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office uh, released its full cost estimate of the Build Back Better bill. Projecting the measure would add $160 billion to the national debt over the next decade. The CBO reported the measure would raise more than $1.2 trillion in the form of increased IRS crackdowns on tax cheats. Okay, so they're going to hire... I forget what the number is. It's like tens of thousands of IRS agents. Oh, sorry, standard disclaimer. I love the IRS, and everybody that works there is fantastic. It's always my my standard disclaimer whenever I talk about the IRS. And the FCC, by the way. But the IRS is... They're fixing to get... Tens of thousands of new agents, and we're supposed to believe that they're only going to be targeting like the the richy riches of the crowd. Not no no, not the Democrats who are getting the tax break for the millionaires with the salt deal, the state and local tax, the SALT, the salt uh, write-offs. That, not, not those people, but the other people who are not Democrats and are even richer. We're supposed to believe that all these new IRS agents that they're just going to be targeting those super Republican richy riches. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying it. Um, Not only am I not buying it because I don't believe them, uh, the Democrats that are pitching this idea, but I'm also not buying it because I'm afraid that if I do buy anything, it's going to push me into a higher category. Well, now I I will get more examination by the IRS because that's what they... That's kind of the plan. It's like once you start spending a certain amount of money, they're going to start looking at your, your bank account, as Congressman Hudson referenced. But this is... This is why I asked Hudson about the politics of this, because it doesn't seem to me like this is designed to actually pass, because it's so crazy that nobody sane would want to run with this thing hanging around their neck, especially in a state that has like any Republicans of anything close to critical mass, right? Like you do not want to be Joe Manchin, for example. Or Kristen Cinema, You don't want to be either of these two running in a state that's got a lot of Republicans and you're going to need some of those, you know, not moonbat left wing votes. You're going to need some of those sane people to vote for you. So I, I don't I don't understand why you would try to pass this, except you're trying to placate the moonbat brigade in your base and, you know, it's not going to pass the Senate. Uh, but what do I know? Right. I'm just a just a radio host, although I I do know how to read the CBO their cost projections undercut Biden's pledge that the bill is not only fully paid for, but would decrease the deficit. Because according to the MMT morons, debt doesn't matter. Deficits don't matter. You can spend us into oblivion and none of it matters. One of the best music videos of all time. All righty. Tom. I thought I said Tim. Tom, welcome to the program. Hello, Tom. How are you?
2: Hey, Pete. How are you? Hey, I'm good. What's hey, going on? I think, you're, I think you're missing the point with Kamala. She,
0: well, it would not be the really first time. In fear. What's that?
2: I said Kamala's really living in fear. She has to coin a term and gin up some fear because there's a, a better than average chance she'll be changing Uncle Joe's diapers.
0: She could be the sandwich generation. <laughs> <That's
2: true. laughs> no, in all seriousness, isn't this just what they do on NPR? I mean, it's just crybaby radio, right? I mean, create a cause, cry about it, cry about it, cry about it.
0: Well, I um, I have to admit, I don't know what they do oh, on the uh, <laughs> on the public radio so much anymore. I full disclosure, I did work for about a year and a half, for two years, uh, for the Crosstown. Oh, wow. Yeah, back when I was uh, I interned there, and then. Got a job, yeah. Uh, you know, I was mailing people coffee mugs. I was not on air, um, and then uh, went to work down in uh, South Carolina in Rock Hill, and then came up here to BT. But uh, and so and look, when I would uh, for you know for a good portion of the time I worked in Asheville, I still drove back to Charlotte. Um, we had our house here. My wife still worked here, uh, and so on the weekends we would go you know back and forth to one city or the other, and I would listen on the way down uh, the mountain. Uh, you know, Radio Lab and This American Life. And so I, I heard some of those produced programs, but I some of the stuff I've heard that goes on, like their morning programming and um some uh yeah, I think the the uh some of their afternoon stuff is just it is that. Uh, like from what I remember, but it's been a while. Um but it well, is that.
2: locally we've got I won't mention the host name, but when they do a regular show out of the Charlotte Office, I'll listen to it because 'cause I'd like to hear where the other side's at. I want to be open minded, right? Yeah, sure. But, after about a minute and a half, I'm like, oh, this is killing me. Stop cry, baby. and Oh, my God.
0: Well and come back to BT. Well, thank you for that. I do appreciate it. I, I, I also, I notice so many of the stories are, are now told through a prism of wokeness. And I don't use that term to dismiss it. I'm, like, I'm using it sort of as an umbrella term because everything is through a prism either of race, of sex, of religion, yeah. and it's all it all goes back to. And I covered this a couple of days ago. This uh, this psychological trait, these characteristics that are uh, uh, connected to TIV is what they've identified it as: the tendency for interpersonal victimhood. And yeah. it yeah. is now yeah. defined, yeah, exactly. and it has a structure to it. And once you hear what these characteristics are, uh, and that what that mindset uh, forces the person who has it uh, forces them to view things through. all of this stuff starts making sense. That's how they derive power. It's how they view other people. They then start lacking empathy for others. They can't see others as harmed in any way, especially by themselves. And so when you start seeing people through that and you start understanding that uh, there is this TIV at play. And by the way, for folks on the right as well, I encounter my fair share of people on the right who are trying to play victim to a lot of stuff too. Um, and I'm not well, saying well
2: practically speaking yeah. isn't that what your grand my grandfather used to always say whether you think you can or you can't you're right
0: you're right exactly it's one it's one of the things if we spent i don't even know what portion maybe i don't know a third i don't want to undersell it you know maybe half of the time that we spend you know in our school system at all levels teaching people how to be aggrieved about something if instead of doing that We tried to actually empower people with, like, entrepreneurial and and self-motivational tools. I wonder how much better off of a a society we would have, because I didn't learn this stuff until way later in life. It has made huge differences in my life, Uh, thinking positively, which is difficult. I know, look, Limbaugh used to talk about this stuff all the time. Like, it's not people's natural disposition to be positive. It's, it, it can be tough, especially if you're dealing in current events and stuff. It, it, you know, life is difficult. It's a race against recently, death that we all lose. No,
2: that's it. Go that's ahead. I recently, recently read Booker Washington's book, Up From Slavery. Oh. It's, it's so awesome. Completely exactly what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. It, well, and, and summarized in, you know, Grandpa's old words of wisdom, like you just said. You know, if, if you think you can't or you think you can, you are right. And, uh, it's, it, it, people are their own worst enemy in so many ways. And, uh, if we teach people how to self-motivate, to think positively, uh, and to, you know, I say this too, whenever I talk to people about like, people ask about, you know, what is it like to work in radio? And I used to go and talk to schools and stuff, which they don't let me anywhere near a school nowadays. But, um, when I used to go and talk to classes, you know, I would say show up. That's most of what this is about, just showing up every day on time, doing the work, being uh, proficient in it. And it's amazing just by doing those things, just showing up, knowing what you're doing, being responsible. You ought like you're way ahead of like most of the people in the field already. And uh, that is that is applicable across the board in all industries, all jobs. Just show up, do a proficient job, uh, take on the extra homework if you can right? Take on the extra duties. And if you do these things, you're going to be wildly successful and people don't believe it. It, it It's, I don't understand why we are not in, impressing that upon our kids. Um, but again, I'm just a radio host, not a professional educator. So I'm probably not qualified <laughs> to offer this kind of advice.
2: <laughs> Good to have you back in Charlotte. Well,
0: thanks, Tom. Good to talk with you, sir. Appreciate the call. Uh, that's great advice. It is. And, and, and it's the same thing. Like for years, I talked with the, uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor, former Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina, Dan Forrest, and one of the big things that he pushed for was financial literacy to be back in the schools. If it ever was like, like I had an accounting class back in high school. I don't remember anything about it, but I do remember that they showed us these, you know, fake checks, and they taught us how to fill out a check, which I don't know if you need to do that nowadays. But more than that, but like budgeting, how do you do a budget? I mean, I was, I was. Out of college, I had started working here at BT in Charlotte when I first put together a budget, and I had to get debt-free. That's the other thing, too. Like, getting debt-free, that's freedom, folks. Getting debt-free is freedom. When you don't owe somebody enough money where you have to go to work in order to pay them back or else you're, you know everything collapses around you, right? or you're going to be out on the street and all that, when you have money in the bank, and here's... Uh, Here's what I did. This is a very simple thing. Anybody can do it real quick. I would take uh, every two weeks, I would sit down and I would do my bills. I would write checks out for all the bills that I owed. This was obviously before the days of auto draft and all that stuff. But I would write checks out and I would set them up so everything would be paid out every two weeks. And then I would take cash in my pocket from the ATM and then I would write zero in my checkbook, even though I still had, you know, 12, 13, $14 left, whatever it was. I would just say zero, and after about a year of that, and people are like, "Oh my gosh, a year!" Yeah, after about a year of doing that, I had about somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand dollars saved. And then you pay off an entire credit card because they'll take your, uh, they'll take a, a lump sum payment to, w- to wipe the debt away. News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three WBT. Right. So I thought I had heard the stupidest sound bites. With the Kamala Harris and Pete Booty Gig uh, sound bites, But lo and behold, up pops the view. And uh, yeah, it's this is the stupid. This stupid hurts. Uh, this one's pretty bad. They are discussing the oral arguments that were made in the Dobbs case at the U.S. Supreme Court earlier this week. Now, they did not do like what I did which was to play audio clips of the actual lawyers making the legal arguments so you, the listener, could hear what your Supreme Court is hearing, right? You can listen to them in action. They didn't do that. No, 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 no. They're going to talk to their audience about how terrible Republican men are. (laughs) Which, well, I'll just play it because there is so much dumb. There's so much dumb in this soundbite. It might take me a while to peel away the onion. Take a listen here. Yeah. For it. Yeah. and now I am fearful about yeah. Roe v. You know, if English you if part. you think
4: if you watch America, which I like to watch America, and I watch television a lot.
0: Okay, let me just stop for a second right there. That's Joy Behar. If you watch America, and I like to watch America, I watch TV a lot. All right. First red flag. (laughs) That's not America. All right. That's not America. What are you talking about? You're afraid of most of the people in America. You would not be caught dead in most of America around the people who populate most of America. It's not on your television. What you're seeing on your TV is... Hollywood's warped idea of what America is, and that is filtered through the leftist prism of fear, but also who you think are heroes and who are the villains, right? So that is—I mean—you want to talk about a fish not knowing it's wet? Joy Behar, right there. So, this, so this is from what, from where she is drawing her opinion. Okay, is television. <laughs> so that's the first problem. Let's listen.
4: It's a very interesting schism that goes on here, because on the one hand, sex sells everywhere. I mean, you can't see an aspirin commercial without somebody having sex.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I've not seen these sex aspirin commercials, uh, but I don't watch a lot of commercials on TV. I don't watch a lot of TV, uh, just in general. But uh, I'm not aware of the sex aspirin or aspirin sex. Com- but honestly, like, it, that, w- that would make sense. It would make sense, right, to sell aspirin with sex. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, oh, you have a headache. Okay, well, here's some aspirin. Like that's what I mean. It's just like that's a, that's marketing brilliance right there. I don't. Okay, so I've not seen these ads. I think it would be a great idea if they did. Maybe she's a marketing genius. Whatever. Point is now that she said, she's going to make this argument. She's starting right now. She's going to make this argument that sex sells everything and they use sex to sell everything. Interesting. Who might the they be? Keep this in mind as you hear this rant she's about to go off on. Who is the they that she's describing?
4: You cannot turn on any program, especially on Except streaming, where people are <laughs> having, there's, there's soft porn everywhere now. Right. They encourage all of that. It sells everything. Sex sells. Yeah. And yet when it comes to the reality of pregnancy, mm. this particular group of people on the right in this country and these religious zealots do not understand the reality of what happens when you have sex.
0: It's- okay. I don't know if you've met any religious people on the right I think they're pretty clear on what happens when you have the sex there's like they tend to have a they tend to have a lot of kids did you notice have you noticed this thing that happens on the, okay first of all second of all you hear what she just did there on the one hand she is condemning the left because that's who's making all of the movies and the TV shows right this these, these are not hotbeds of right wingery that are cranking out the soft porn. Right? This is not where that is happening. This is of the left. This is what the left has been doing. Postmodernism. This is what they want. So they've been in charge of Hollywood. They've been in charge of the uh, you know the ad budgets and such. This there they have won the culture war. So she's condemning that and then turns around and says. That the negative consequence, which is interesting also that she feels that having the child is the negative consequence, but that that is the negative consequence of, of what, this promotion of sex. Well, who's doing that? And why are they promoting? So you're telling me that the leftists who control all of the promoting of the sex, that somehow or another, what, that they're convincing the right to have all the sex And then the right is like, yo, but we don't want to have abortions. And we don't want anybody to have abortions. So the left is mad that the right doesn't want the left to have to live with the consequences of the bad decisions? Is that what I'm hearing her say? No, she's not making that argument. She seems to think that the right is in charge of the ads of the promotion of all the sex, which is weird. Like this, like, show me that you've, that you have no interaction with a Republican without telling me that you have no interaction with Republicans. <laughs> this, is, this is what this clip is about.
4: It's almost like they don't want to see that part. They just want to see the yeah. fun in the bed, yeah.
0: not the second part. What are you talking about? She's talking about the dudes, the pro-abortion dudes. Like, you want to talk about the patriarchy? You want to talk about uh, sexism and all this? Like, you want to talk about um, uh, irresponsibility? It's the the pro-abortion guys because they're the ones that convince the ladies to have the sex and they're like, well, you better go have the abortion so I don't have to be, you know, saddled with fatherhood. That's who she's talking about. And by the way, just not for nothing, that can be a bipartisan thing. This isn't even really about politics. This is just about what kind of men are we raising, right? What kind of men do we have in this society? This is not... Like she she wants so badly for this to be like an anti-republican thing but this is what your sexual revolution did this is these are the fruits of your labor your child has grown you might say and that's
4: well let's, what let's I, see what conservative Congress people yeah. do now when they get their mistresses pregnant
0: yeah <laughs> well, oh, that's a uh, uh, village idiot uh Anna Navarro right there.
4: have yes. money to do it. They'll get a DNC. Mm. Do you remember
3: that? That's what they used to call it. Uh, you know, so when you women know what? had money.
4: I worked at St. Vincent's Hospital. I was in college. I was born there. I know you were. Yes. You've had a lot of and jobs. I have, and I was in the pathology uh, department, uh, mm-hmm. so I had to type up the t- lab reports. Right. Do you know how many DNCS came through I in St. Vincent's Hospital? And mm. hospitals. This is 1965, over the... That's right. 66, That's the yes. No Roe v. Yes. Wade yes. yet. And let me d- let me make one point, please. Mm-hmm.
0: When she talks about the She's this is Whoopi Goldberg talking about Amy Coney Barrett talking about uh, uh, safe haven laws that protect uh, mothers from, you know, if they leave their children at a hospital because they can't care for them. They put them up basically for adoption. They suffer no criminal penalty for that safe haven laws. And these have all come into existence after Roe v. Wade. And so Coney Barrett asks about the burdens of parenthood and adoption being an alternative and. Whoopi Goldberg is mad about this because she's like, well, oh, they're not adopting black babies. Although Amy Coney Barrett has. <laughs> Alrighty, news is next.